Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. We're back. Hope you folks have been keeping well. Very special episode for you today. This is my final interview with a musician. And I can think of no better guest for my final Ragbag interview than Not Another Poet, who is one half of New Age of Decay. They released their debut album earlier this year. We'll be hearing all about it in just a moment. So if you missed the special announcement, which I posted a while ago, how did you miss it? I put the title in block capitals, just in case you missed it. This is indeed my final interview with a musician. Ragbag is going to officially stop being a music show when we reach the point of episode 100. After that, it's going to immediately transform into a storytelling show like no other. And the narrative which has been building up on the podcast over the last three years, as well as in the series of books I've been publishing lately, Everything I Am and Getting Away With It, are the first two. The first of many. That's what this new show is effectively going to be. I'll be changing the name of the podcast slightly as well. It's going to be called Ragbag Presents. But that's for the future. For now, let's continue to enjoy this being a music show. Another interesting thing to note is that this is my first post-pandemic face-to-face interview. I've been doing them over Zoom for ages. If you remember, our first interview back in 2018 was with the Underscore Orchestra, and that was a face-to-face one. A few drinks were had at the same time, and it's the same here. We've come full circle. I sat down recently with Not Another Poet and had a few beers. I'm mentioning this because there are a few bits of background noise, mostly from glasses being clunked down on the table, (laughs) etc. Also, there are a few issues with the sound. The microphone wasn't working properly, so I ended up abandoning it in favour of a lower quality microphone. Just in case you're wondering why it sounds this way, never mind. The quality of the conversation was first rate. And so is the music. So before we hear from our guest, there's a track from New Age of Decay's eponymous debut album. This is The Year When It All Collapsed. Ever supermarket item ever to be bought in cash? Bring me a tear of the last banknote ever to be secretly stashed. Bring me the 
UK's papers in the last law suit a screenshot of the last new map. What better way to pay tribute to the year when it all collapsed? Span from an all night rave, the chunk of cheese from the last mouse trap. We must stock them all if forever to save the year when it all collapsed. The idea was battered around before I uh, did this music thing, but as a performing my poetry and and I was I was writing poetry under two kind of quite different styles, quite distinct styles. So yeah. I thought I thought it didn't really make sense to call myself the same name almost because it was almost like two different and it is also kind of two different attitudes as well so not just styles but so yeah not another part I, I don't really like calling myself a poet so I think not a poet works oh, <laughs> and <see>. um, <laughs> so not and then not another sounds better than not a poet so um playing around with that idea of suggesting you're a poet but not you know calling yourself oh, okay. one maybe right. maybe maybe my interpretation of it was there was like two ways it could go like right? mm. either you're being modest mm. by saying not an, you know not another one or, or you're being overconfident <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, I yeah. don't mean overconfident. i mean i mean that, that you're being um you know making a statement yeah i was yeah. i was hoping that it it's and not another poet yeah it would yeah. be a good way of putting it yeah trying to be perhaps probably on the less confident side right yeah okay. new age of decay what 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 is what is that <laughs> so new age of decay is words from not another poet plus music from the slow blade who's a musician who is in beijing and as we both were at the time which was quite recently last end of last year beginning of this year really and we started performing together under a collaboration project in Beijing. And then we just continued and we made an album out of what we made together. We thought, well, I'd better come up with a name because Not Another Poet and The Slow Blade is a bit of a tricky one to remember. So New Age of Decay came about. And I think we were playing around with... put A lot of the poems slash lyrics are, are kind of about modern life and the de- and how we it may be seen as a decay more than um, progress sort of thing, so that was involved. I think we 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 were looking at other things like age of decay, but I think age of decay turned out to be a 
heavy metal band, of course, as you can imagine. Um, so, it's not a uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was already taken. So new age of decay. And we quite like the idea of new and decay in the same title. So we, we went for that. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. It's good. And um, also, in addition to the album, of course, you have the book, which I've got right in front of me here. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, the in terms of the artwork. So, what, tell me about the artwork that goes with the book. Um, yeah, well, we were very lucky that a friend of ours, uh, Joey Jung, who's a um, South Korean artist who live who was living in Beijing. I think she's she's very soon to be going back to South Korea, but she saw us play before she knew us and she was she really liked it and she was very very generous in saying that she'd give basically give her artwork to us and she wanted to create a painting or a, a drawing for each poem and they're just yeah they're incredible I mean um, a lot of them she'd already made that fitted and the rest she drew uh, according to the meaning of the poem and they're all yeah I mean incredible really it's worth buying the book just for the pictures, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. The ageless evergreen ever teens, clad in our tailpipe pinstripe ripped jeans. On the weekends we go off the rails, our nights out or off the scale, sipping down 12 pound cocktails as evergreen ever teens. We are the real life walking, talking pizza pans who listen to all the 90s indie bands. What an age to be alive, no need to cook, no need to drive. We'll learn them when we're 55, us evergreen everteens. Faces are the paintings in the attic Our taste particular, our dress sense erratic We sleep in beds with childhood toys Hanging on to nostalgic joys We laugh when there's a funny noise Us evergreen teens We are the muttons dressed as lambs 
Our bedroom walls are papered with supermans. Such social networks sycophants unconscious in our Xbox trance as our mothers wash our underpants as evergreen ever teens. We are the inheritors of the earth. Too meek for love, too scared of childbirth. Living our life for the everyday, vitality keeps old age at bay. Crystallized is how we'll stay, to stay eternally this way as evergreen ever teens. The ageless, the paperless, the fashionably faithless, the raving, the scathing, in need of entertaining. We are the beautiful, the youthful, the totally unuseful, evergreen, forever, teens. Generation Z, and this is what we own two wardrobes full of clothing and the latest smartphone. We'll tell you who's responsible, and these are those to blame the government, our parents, violent video games. Let us tell you tales of sorrow, of lives of misfortune. They raised us wanting too much, too often, and too soon. It's enough to make you sleepless or paralyzed with dread, because in life, just like the alphabet, nothing follows Z.
I particularly like uh, evergreen evertines and um, it sort of uh, reminds me uh, reminds me of a few people that I've met in, in my time and, and uh, um, some of which I'm still in contact with. And, <laughs> But um, what what is this is obviously your take on the whole nostalgia thing. So where, where do you where do you kind of sit on? Is this kind of is part of this description autobiographical in some way, or is this you observing other people's behaviour? Um, yeah, a lot of people my age and me as well. There's elements of me involved in that, and people I know. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, hopefully everyone knows people who fit into the category. Uh, I think I was kind of playing around with that Peter Pan generation thing, which, again, is a bit of a caricature, but it's quite funny to sort of expand it and look at all the different elements of it. I mean, I'm saying we are, so I am taking some ownership of the fact that I am uh, guilty, as other people are, of not maturing, basically and uh, trying to stay uh, young forever yeah failing yeah. miserably <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's it's, it, it's an interesting um, like listening to the song kind of gets you thinking about these things well it did with me anyway I kind of there's two sides to the way that I feel is that one side of me still thinks that it's the 90s <laughs> and it is still the 90s in my head mm. but uh, I don't know why that, that side of me exists because I, I'm not really interested in any of the things that I was into in the 90s. You know, I, I don't yeah. dress the same, I don't listen to the same music and um, I'm a different person to what, <laughs> thankfully, a different person to was, uh, the way I was when I was 15. But yeah, there is still that kind of, um, that sense that, yeah, I, I'm part of uh, the generation that didn't quite grow up in the same way that our parents' generation kind of grew up and mm. became proper adults when they were 19 mm. years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, there's obviously freedoms which we should appreciate, but at the same time, yeah, we have to think, are we, can we just keep on like this and what's the real consequences of it? What are we missing out on, really, from being uh, crystallised as in the 90s bubbles that we are. Fourteen days of quarantine, fourteen nights no change is seen among beige walls, fluorescent lights, the bathroom stench, quite a fright, the food goes down like plasticine when it's fourteen days of quarantine. Fourteen days of isolation in a motel room above a bus station, that hum you hear won't end soon, nor this sense of abject gloom, peace and quiet ain't what it seems when it's fourteen days of quarantine. Beijing, everyone liked it because it's kind of about a lot of people were actually coming through quarantine, coming back into Beijing from different countries, and people still are doing that. So, people kind of at the time when I wrote it, I hadn't actually gone through quarantine myself, but I'd kind of had so many people tell me about their experiences that I kind of wrote that. So, that was quite well received. I like the little twist at the end of that one as well, where you just, I can't remember the exact words, but you say, mm. actually, you know, 12 days wasn't long enough. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of trying to cheer people up who are going through it, maybe. 
city will not sleep till his outstretched fingers meet, till towers drown its cliff tops and the light stamps out the darkness of the farmyards in retreat. This city will not sleep till its borders skirt the seas, till this net is the only intersect connecting every street. This city will not sleep till forests free its trees, till fountains drip the rivers dry, till savannas swell concrete. This city will not sleep. This city will not sleep. And this this city was, we always had a lot of fun playing that one. The music changed so much from the beginning, and we went through different versions. And the Slow Blades music is, I think, it's really good for that one. And he does a little kind of improv. Well, it was an improv sort of song, which made it onto the album. Hopefully, there's a lot of variety, particularly in the, the music. There's a lot of variety. I think a lot of different styles, quite a lot of experimentation. A lot of fun. My first first time I've ever recorded anything.、Uh, learned all these different things that I never thought I'd do as someone who was writing poetry and not not thinking about music or being a musician or anything like that. What kind of influences do you have? Is what I was going to ask. Yeah, well, I mean, when people hear New Age of Decay, anyone who's British anyway, at least, will say that John Cooper Clarke is like the oh, you like John Cooper,、oh, yeah. um, which is true. I mean, it is a big influence, and、uh, I even when I perform, I even wear sunglasses just to just to make sure everyone <laughs> realizes it's a ripoff. But he's obviously a big one,、um, and particularly with the music. Element as well, but perhaps when I write,、um, I think maybe the the hum the humor maybe is kind of not just him, but maybe like Philip Larkin、um, is an influence. I think on on my writing and、um, and mu- musically, I suppose I should talk about as as we're in 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 the band.、Um, I think. We we both kind of grew up around the same age, listening to probably quite in, indie rock music, but also electric. There's obviously an electronic element to it as well. Perhaps people mention Faithless as a as a band that is kind of quite similar to what we're doing as well. So, yeah. Did you get into、um, Underworld back in the day? <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't quite say a strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm interested、mm-hmm. in, in in the way that their songs are put、mm-hmm. together. That that's very that's very much like performance poetry, and it's kind、mm-hmm. of it, it uses the whole sort of like cut up technique. So it's a, a little snatch of this, a little snatch of that, and stitch it all together,、mm-hmm. and、um, then sort of make a make a song out of it. I'm interested in the way that those guys went about their business. Yeah, well, I think we have. A- Both have a kind of punk attitude, I suppose, to music that you you sort of、um, 
you experiment and you sort of go with things and you let the performance on stage kind of dictate how you record things as well, I think. And you kind of use that um, instinct maybe to, to sort of make decisions. Are there any any particular bits that don't seem to go down too well with an audience, but you <laughs> like them? So you, you've kept hold of those bits? Um, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Um, there's, there's one particularly, I think, the, which is little bits kind of um, offbeat, maybe. The, the um, nothing much worse, yeah. We both really like it, but I'm not sure when I hear the audience. We're kind of hitting the offbeat every, every so often. There's kind of a bit of a... Some of it, I think, probably jars with people, the, the, the music and the poetry. It's kind of working off each other a bit. It's a bit kind of rough around the edges. But we kind of liked it that way. We kind of went with it. And, um, yeah, it works for us. Perhaps not always for everybody. Yeah, well, it, yeah I mean, I, I, I feel the same way when, it, when, I've, when I've done things in front of audiences. It, it kind of gauged kind of... Um, sometimes you'd be surprised by think, things that I thought weren't going to work at all, people liked... And mm. um, you know things that I liked, <laughs> that people didn't like. You know, um, yeah. It's just it's it's been kind of just just speaking about myself now. But it's been um, quite liberating the last sort of three years of just doing ragbag and not having an audience for it. I mean, not not there's been no kind of live performance element mm. of the ragbag podcast at all, um, which has been great because it's uh, I can just literally do whatever I want, and there's no. Yeah. The, there's nobody there to tell me whether it's good or bad, <laughs> yeah. which which is which is unhelpful in a way because sometimes it's handy to know what people think, you know. And people, mm. people do tell me after the event, after the thing has been released, people tell me what they like. But um, you know, but I actually think it's a good thing of just putting something out and not caring that yeah. much, well, mm. not, not really caring that much whether it's whether it goes down well or not. Yeah, it's quite it's quite good actually thinking about it to perform some of these poems, which just you know I think are quite comic poems. I perform them as poems and have two next to no laughs before, plenty of times. So at least with music, you can't hear if people are laughing or not. You're not for, you're not trying to make people laugh. You can kind of deliver them in a sort of quite natural way, as opposed to trying to play for laughs. If you know what I mean, yeah, which kind yeah. of in poetry can ruin it really or um, it can mess up your rhythm and things like that and mess up your confidence as a, as a speaker as well so yeah yeah it's uh, I mean I, I find that poetry audiences are very supportive generally hmm. in, in terms of like and, and if people don't laugh at your jokes for example it's not necessarily a bad gig whereas if you're doing <laughs> a comedy gig and nobody yeah. laughed that, that would be a terrible <laughs> that would just be a complete yeah, waste of everyone's time. Whereas um, with poetry, you can, you know, I've done it myself, but like performing poems that I thought were funny, mm. and nobody laughed at them. And but people came up, came up to me afterwards and said, "You know, I, I really like that. I thought I thought it was really funny." Yeah. <laughs> Don't want yeah. to tell your face um, that, pal. Yeah, <laughs> and it really made me think about stuff. Mm. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I've had that exact exact same experience. Yeah, yeah, really funny, really funny. As they sort of 
think, look at you thoughtfully for a moment. <laughs> Made me laugh oh, out loud. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I suppose, yeah, the expectations of the audience are different, aren't they, as well? And they're kind of in a zone themselves, maybe. Hard to break them out of that. You also have the kind of music audience as well, which is a completely mm. different ball game altogether as well. Yeah, that's true, that's true. We we did, I remember we did one, we always had pretty good audiences. I remember one gig, though, which was an afternoon, our only first and no doubt last afternoon gig which and it was a really nice day outside as well and we just we were following um, a sort of magazine launch we were sort of um supposed to be the kind of after party of this magazine launch and then as soon as we started within about 10 minutes about i'd say about 80 percent of people just went outside which i can't blame them listening to sort of grungy pessimistic uh <laughs> poems to music or go and have a cigarette in the sun I mean mm. I can understand <laughs> well it's good it's, mm. it's good to have these experiences I think just to have these these kind of weird gigs and it's good yeah. to have gigs that don't really work <laughs> because if if all of your if all of your audiences are 100% supportive all of the time you probably just end up being crap because you just think, "Oh, I'm the great. I must be the greatest artist of all time," you know. But it's it's handy having that feed that that kind of instant feedback of of figuring out what works and what doesn't work in front of the crowd. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We had one person who was asking for a refund as well, which was a good one. <laughs> now, you know, you know, you're doing something. You know, you're doing a good job when you get. That was the first time we heard someone was running away trying to get a refund for the for the gig so um, yeah can't please everyone probably a good thing <laughs> yes and, it doesn't, mm-hmm. and also it doesn't mean that, that what you're doing is bad because that one person didn't like it you know it's, yeah um, exactly yeah yeah. you know and even if you split the crowd if you split the crowd half the people enjoying it and half of it aren't you've still you've still made people you've still entertained a certain number of people <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a, it, as you say it's not for <laughs> everyone yeah, there's a reason. I mean, you mentioned earlier the lack of um, superstars in poetry. There's a, you know, reason for that. <laughs> if you want to be popular, then uh, you probably choose a different uh, art, really. But uh, you know, it, it depends on your how broad your definition of poetry is. I mean, if you want to include mm-hmm. hip hop in that, then um, then there are superstars, definitely. That's true. Yeah, and you know, probably there are a few notable actual poets who would qualify as superstars in their own right yeah can't really think of any but <laughs> <laughs> well you know your Michael Rosens and your uh, would you McGuffs no yeah. not that they're playing the O2 arena you know that <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got the same fan base that Stormzy have is, is what I'm trying to say any other sort of uh, influences that spring to mind more on that Going back to that subject, what you, what have you been um, checking out recently? I've been reading quite a lot of um, two particular American poets. Um, one of them is Jay Ryan, who's a great American poet. Who's um, She writes sort of po- poetry that's quite humorous again, but also... And she has a really interesting sound to her poems, which is heavy sort of internal rhyme rhyming schemes and... Um, 
She's she's really good. She won the Pulitzer Prize a few years ago. Definitely worth checking out. And the other one is Charles Simic. I've been reading a lot about, which oh, yeah, yeah. I get a lot of um, inspiration from him with ideas and like quite surreal ideas, which I really like. And uh, he's a good one for um, inspiration in, in that sense, even though our styles are, are very different. the strokes because I've never heard their music before and they mm. suddenly got really big overnight and me and my friend were at the Reading not the Reading Festival, the Leeds version of the Reading Festival, Leeds Festival and they'd been drafted in because they were so successful they they'd, they'd kind of, they weren't on the bill and somebody had drafted them in but they they instead of headlining they just played like the middle of the Saturday afternoon <laughs> but but nobody knew like that they were on, and that the band that we turned up to see were just like some sort of middling kind of rock band who we thought mm. oh, to hell with it would have gone see there's nothing else to do, and um, like this other band came on, this American band came on, just played a few songs. This isn't the band that we came to. Who are these people? And um, yeah, I remember I heard some people behind me saying. I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. Maybe <laughs> you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, in years to come, we can say that we were here. <laughs> here for what? <laughs> and that, I, I only found out afterwards that I was watching The Strokes. I was, mm. That was this because I'd, I'd heard that all, all this hype about The Strokes. And I was like, that was The Strokes. <laughs> that <crap. laughs> Yeah, I was one of those, I was of that age, I suppose, that was adored the Strokes for about a year and then forgot them quite quickly. Yes. Second yeah. album wasn't as good, third album was even worse, that kind of thing. Ah, uh, okay. That's one of those bands. Okay, uh, but yeah. I think the first album's pretty good. Still think it's quite good, I think. Not that I've heard it for 10 years, but... Yeah, no, it was, it was okay. Yeah. It was okay. <laughs> so it's, when, you, when you see them live and um, you're not familiar with any of the songs and they're just some guys yeah. playing on a stage... Yeah. Um, not great showman. <laughs> oh boy, they were at that time. Maybe, they, mm. maybe they are now. Mm. I don't know where they are now. Maybe they're dead. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know how we got into that subject. I'm, I'm not going to include any of this no. in the podcast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just thought I'd tell my strokes story.
We are looking for a native speaker, a native speaker of twaddle, a real original unoriginal, a swindler's role model. We are looking for a native speaker, a native speaker of nonsense, free from the burden of sincerity and the need of substance. We are looking for a native speaker, one so vague and so aloof, who may at times seem down to earth, but still speaks power to truth. We are looking for a native speaker. We are looking for a native speaker, who speaks anything but their mind. We much prefer those who speak entirely from their behind. We are looking for a native speaker, a native speaker of utter shit, as charming as Oscar Wilde, without any of the wits. We are looking for a native speaker, a speaker fluent in fluff, a waffler supreme, who sugarcoats just enough. We are looking for a native speaker, Thank you for listening. Many, many thanks to Not Another Poet and New Age of Decay. Check out the New Age of Decay album on Bandcamp. The link is in the show notes. Have a look at my website, frankburton.co.uk, with all the details of my books, which are on that website. A History of Sarcasm, 100, Everything I Am, and Getting Away With It, the latest one. Read them all, check them all out. Audiobook versions are on Bandcamp as well. I will see you very soon.